Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Please consider supporting Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. Uh, they are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hey, this is Trevor from Halifax calling in to say that I support Creative Control on Patreon because I think long-form arts journalism is a crucial part of music culture and there's simply not enough of it out there today. Vish is a master interviewer, he lands great guests, and he has his finger on the pulse of the ever-changing music landscape, both here in Canada and abroad. For all of these reasons and many more, I think you should support Creative Control on Patreon too. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash Control today. I'm Visha's wife, and I will love him no matter what you do. And now he has me on the record saying that. Which Prophet is the performing name of musician, producer, and label co-owner A.O. Lalani, who is currently based in Caledon, Ontario. Originally from Toronto, Which Prophet last appeared on this show with her partner, DJ Sun Sun, to discuss their 2018 album, The Golden Octave. This year, Witch Prophet released its follow-up, entitled DNA Activation. This record was shortlisted for Canada's prestigious and annual Polaris Music Prize, which will name its album of the year on October 19th, 2020. Leilani and I connected for a conversation about pandemic life in Toronto and Caledon, working with session musicians for the first time, themes of family, Black Resilience and Black Resistance on DNA Activation, Canada's Arts Grants Situation, her label, Heart Lake Records, Future Plans, and more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash Control and Massey Hall's concert film series live at MasseyHall.com where you can stream dozens of 30-minute films 
for free, including performances by past podcast guests like Zaki Ibrahim. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is the 573rd episode of Creative Control, featuring the talented and wise Witch Prophet with your host, me, Vishkana. Hi, Lani. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm well. I'm well. Uh, first of all, where in the world are you today? Right now, I am actually in Toronto. Wait a minute. Hang on a second. I thought you moved. I thought since we last spoke many years ago, we both <laughs> moved to different places. Didn't you move yeah. from Toronto? Yeah. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I don't live here. <laughs> I live in Caledon. Um, Caledon. Yeah, right. but it's it's just about a 45-minute drive, you know. An hour with traffic, so, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes when I miss the city, I come here. Do you miss the city? Sometimes, yeah. Because, like... Not all the time. It's it's rare. Yeah, because I remember when you moved. So, for those who don't know, and maybe you can correct me, but Caledon is kind of like a... More of a rural outpost about an hour from Toronto. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's total uh, farms farmland right right so uh but but that's not where you're from you're not from Caledon you're not are you from no No. where are you from originally we we talked about this Um, before yeah grew up in Toronto right so I would say I'm a um probably the neighborhood I rep the most would be St. Clair West so Mm, okay okay so you're a Toronto person what drives someone like you to move to rural Caledon I'm just curious what was it um, rent and <laughs> um, just wanting to actually to get out of the city to be away from all the noise and to have the choice when I wanted to be in the space or not. Whereas when I'm when we were living in the city, it was like there's no escape. You know, there's you're always here. Mm. The, the city has sort of like a, a buzz, a hum that is uh, that you really notice only when you're outside of it. When you're in it, you don't. Yeah, I always like to say I never lived in Toronto, but I felt like I was there a lot, and I worked there for many years as well. So I was going in frequently, but I always think of it as a nice place to visit, but I couldn't imagine living there, and that's kind of where you're at as well. Yeah, I mean, like, if I could afford the, if I could afford to buy a house here, I'd definitely do it, but I'd still have a place outside of the city because... Just living outside has really made me uh, recognize how important being within nature is and having silence and even just the fact that it's like there's no lights on our street. So as soon as the sun sets, that's it. It's dark. You can't see anything. And at first it was really scary, but then it it's sort of like when you're sleeping, if you have like a, a lamp on in your room or something, when you're trying to sleep, you're not going to get the best sleep. You're not going to be and you have the best rest. You know what I mean? Yeah. And in this space, it's like there's no light. There's no sound. It's just like this wonderful nature where you're just like, oh, my God, I'm so relaxed and so I feel so good. But at the same time, I grew up in the city, so I, I miss seeing people on a regular basis. And, I mean, obviously, due to coronavirus, it's a lot uh, more limited now, but it's still... 
it's still something that I crave, but not to the extent of uh, being immersed in it 24-7. Yeah, like going back to your analogy, like the whole city of Toronto is basically a giant lamp, isn't it? Always on. Yeah. Always keeping you awake. Definitely. Yeah, it's kind of rough. I, I, I'm with you on that. Interestingly, you chose to live in relative isolation from all that noise, all of those people, just at a point in history. Like I ha- Sorry, you live there with your partner, Sun Sun, who I, I adore as well. You and Sun Sun were on the show together. How is Sun Sun, first of all? Oh, she's fantastic. Good, good. Good. Wish her well for me, if you don't mind. And I, you, so you, um, you live in Caledon with Sun Sun, and uh, we'll get to what you've done with the place because I used to send tweets out about the place that you had. You were fixing it up. You were doing all this stuff. It sounded really cool. So I want to ask you more about that. But I want to go back to where I started from, which was, yeah, you weirdly anticipated. Like, do you view it this way? Like, you, by moving to Caledon, you kind of chose a form of isolation from you know, the bustling city. And now lots of us have to make, involuntarily, we have to make that decision, so to speak. Like, we have to choose to kind of be on our own and away from people. Do you see the the irony there or the the, <laughs> the kismet? Yeah, for sure, 100, for 100%. Like, we, um, we always talk about it. Like, uh, actually, when all of this started and everybody was like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? It's so hard to be isolated, to be away from everybody. And I was like, oh my, we've, we kind of got like a year and a half head start with this. We've, we were doing this. We, and, and not only were we isolated, but we didn't have any electricity or any uh, <laughs> plumbing or, you know, we were really roughing it out there for, for a minute. So, wow. um, yeah, it was, it, it, it's really interesting to see it. And we're so incredibly privileged and grateful to even have this opportunity to do that because I know so many people who would love to be able and to be in the position uh, that we are in because it is a privilege to be in a space like um, in in nature and and uh, yeah so that first year and a half like like you say like a lot of people when this first started had the kind of shock of having no choice in the matter can you relate to the feelings you were seeing expressed based on your own experience from when you first moved to Caledon in this, it sounds like some kind of shack with no no amenities at all. <laughs> you describe it as barely even a structure. You'd think so, wouldn't you? <laughs> That's what you said. You're like, there's no plumbing. There's no electricity. <laughs> there wasn't any. It was, it was, it's actually, it's a beautiful house. It was a it was a old um, farmhouse that w- had been abandoned for about twenty years. So of course, like the roof needed to be done, we needed to gut the entire thing. All the plumbing and electricity was too old to use. Hmm. So, um, so there was a time when we were after we gutted it that we were you know had a had a mattress on the floor and living in the open space and being like you know, barbecuing outside and be like, we could do this. It'll be <laughs> fine. We can learn how to drywall. And we did. It's, it's, uh, I'm, we really did. And now, um, you know, it's, it's a fantastic house, but it really is, it, it really makes me be like, wow, I, I am so grateful because uh, I know what it was like before. I, I, and I, and I post those things to let people know as well. Like, Hey, I know you might see 
images of us. <laughs> it might look like we're living it up, but please go back a, a, a few years and <laughs> and look and see what we what we started with and and how much work we put into this and and time and energy and sweat like our own sweat into the walls. There's actually yeah. That's yeah. remarkable. That's great. So you did most of the uh, the Reno. On your own. Yeah, we did almost everything except for the electricity, plumbing, and the roof. Right. Because that obviously has to be done by uh, professionals. But everything else was myself and Sunson and a couple friends here and there coming in and helping. Did you Do you have any carpentry background or anything like that? Or did you just... No, I actually, I still don't know how to hold a drill. It's actually all Sun Sun. <laughs> I'm mostly the person. <laughs> okay, no, let's start again. It was mostly Sun Sun who did almost everything. Whereas I um, was there to, you know, I, I put in all the insulation. I helped, you know, hold the drywall when she needed to, like, drill it into the wall and things like that. And I was the, the get person, whatever she needed. I was there for her, so <laughs> right. But being, but being, a, we worked well as a team. Right. but she was the leader for sure. And being immersed in that experience, though, I assume uh, it gave you a real uh, window—no pun intended. I hope you didn't have to install any windows, but I hope it gave you some. You did have to. You had to put in some windows. Yeah. yeah. Did Sunson do that? Yeah, she framed out the entire thing and did it. Wow. Okay. Because yeah. all I was all I was getting at is once you start, I think there's a lot of intimidation. Uh, when you contemplate, like on a normal mortal person with no background in the stuff, they think, oh, I don't think I can do that. We better get a professional. I mean, my wife and I and my family, we moved into a place that was only 10 years old, and we knew there were some things it needed, but we didn't know the full extent of yeah. the damage until the the people came and took more stuff apart. They're like, no, this is way worse than we thought. Yeah. And yeah. then... So your mind goes like, wait a minute, Like these were professional people, supposedly, and they screwed this up. That means anyone can screw this up. I mean, we all have it. Like the doctor tells you the wrong thing or, yeah. or the mechanic tells you the wrong thing about your car. And you're like, what was the point? I went to this human being, valuable, you know, human being. They get things wrong. All of us do. But I trust that they knew what they were talking about and then they didn't. And then that puts you in this kind of self-reliant mode. Well, you know what? Forget it. Forget calling anyone. I'll go on YouTube or whatever and figure this out myself. Do you have this awakening in within you to be like, you know what? Any problem within reason, I can try and take a crack at it first. Do you have that now? 100%. And there it definitely started with contractors being like, hmm, you need help? It'll cost seventy thousand dollars and we were like get out of our house like it literally was just like we cannot afford that like you're crazy we can do it ourselves so a lot of that literally is where it started of like whatever i can learn on youtube which really actually is a great learning tool like absolutely there's a there's a lot of people there who are like hey do it yourself you can do it there are a lot of things where like you know we've made a couple mistakes here and there and of course if we were you know, if this was our trade, uh, it probably w- wouldn't have been uh, the mistakes, easy mistakes that we made. But it's not. But at the same time, I'm so happy with the house that we have. Like, and I like seeing it and being like, I did this, or Sun Sun made this, or like we we built this up. And so it really has given me the chance to be like, I can do anything if I really if I really want to, and I truly believe in it, and I have the passion. Just like anybody else, 
you're going to be able to succeed. It really doesn't matter if you don't have the tools um, or the know-how. You can get it, right? So Yeah, it is weird that you mentioned that $70,000 figure. And I just had this mm-hmm. experience where I got the estimate. I got a bill for something, and the 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 bill was like five grand. But when they broke it down, the the materials were like three hundred bucks. And you're like, yeah. wait a second, what? Like, so when you say seventy grand, like the material, like to, for Sun Sun and you to be like, you know what? Screw this. Like, we can we'll go buy the materials and we'll figure it out. And I'm sure you made mistakes along the way, uh, but. I have hired professional people who've made mistakes along the way and had yeah. to go back to get more yeah. stuff. So we're all human beings is I guess where I'm coming from. And maybe this level of expertise thing has been blown out of proportion. We can all kind of do stuff if we really try. Yes, we can all kind of do stuff if we really try. There's definitely people who are experts in the thing in the trades that they do in, in anything, but it's really far and few between. There's a lot of people who are just you know, have a little bit more knowledge than you, but if you had the same knowledge, you'd, you'd know how to do the thing. So Yeah, yeah. Well, does this relate in any way to your approach to, to music making? I mean, the last time you and Sun Sun were on, we kind of talked about how Sun Sun tends to make the beats uh, and you tend to write the song, so to speak, in terms of the lyrics and coming up with the vocals. Mm-hmm. Um, new record is fantastic. It's called DNA Activation. Uh is that was that model of creativity kind of followed again? Is that how you two work together? Well, actually, with this with this album, uh, I I also had a hand in production. So uh, so a lot of it was um, me and Sun Sun sitting together and um, Sun going through all the sound banks that she has, and me pointing out to the ones that I really uh, liked. And and then telling her, you know, like I want a saxophone, I want a trumpet, I want, you know, this this tempo, and and her sort of um, creating a sound that I liked, and then also me reaching out to Karen and to Brandon to join us on on a few tracks. Um, so I was a bit more hands on in terms of like the creation part, um, but I think as always we work really well as a team and. Uh, I'm still not the one making the beats. <laughs> it's it's Sun Sun. <laughs> it's like Sun Sun beats always and forever. Yeah. But um, I'm definitely um, there and, and sharing with her where the inspiration of 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 what I want to um, share with everybody else with my songs and stuff like that. So um, we definitely research different. Um, Ethiopian jazz albums and a lot of Eritrean music and then um, R&B and hip-hop beats that I really liked and different producers that I liked and then she sort of worked with that uh, knowledge to create the beats and then of course I wrote the lyrics. Well uh, yeah it's, it's, it is wonderful. Can you you mentioned a couple of external collaborators who was that again? I missed that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Karen Ng on saxophone and Brandon Valdivia Masaya on uh, flute. He plays flute on uh, my song Itmet, and Karen plays saxophone on Elsabet, Tesfai, and hmm, another track, but I can't remember. I think she plays it on three tracks, if I'm not 
if I'm not mistaken. Well, Karen and Brandon are uh, people I know rather well, and they're very, very talented. So that's cool. I'm glad you got that. Oh, my yeah. family and I have been listening to DNA activation uh, a lot. And my wife uh, today commented on, she's like, it's basically like a jazz record. And I was like, yes, it does feel a lot like a yeah. jazz record. You'd mentioned a sound bank yeah. of horns and you know trumpets and saxophones and things like that. But you also mentioned Karen and, and Brandon. So it is some mixture of uh, sort of sampled sounds and live sounds. And I assume you may have even yeah. manipulated some of the live stuff you got to seem a little... Like a yeah yeah actually yeah like a sample yeah the um uh Karen's trumpet playing or sorry Karen's saxophone playing in um the song Testify um seems like she's just you know fluidly playing throughout the track but that was actually uh, I think it's about six or seven different chopped up samples of her playing um, that we mixed up and put in different um in, in different order. And, and came up with that and we're like the, the fact that Karen no matter what she plays and no matter what you chop up or put before like you know put one note before the other it really doesn't matter because she's just so incredibly talented that it all worked out really well so Testify is live Trump um, sorry I keep saying Trump saxophone yeah saxophone yeah. by Karen yeah but it is but it, it incorporates sampling because we chopped up um, her uh, saxophone and, and rearranged it. Whereas Elsa Bet is like, Elsa Bet is Karen um, freestyling on the beat. Okay, interesting. She just came through and was like, I'm going to freestyle. Like, I, she was like, what do you what do you want me to do? And I was like, freestyle. <laughs> <laughs> do whatever you like. And she was like, okay. And then did that and we we're like, my God, you're amazing. <laughs> so, okay. So, so Elsabeth yeah. is her playing straight through, and you didn't really mess mm-hmm. with that. I'm curious about yeah. about Testify, though. Like, why... Often when you get someone to come in and do an overdub, you give them notes, you give them ideas. Sometimes, you, if you know you can you know enough, you can give them a chart, even. But what was the motivation? That's interesting. You had one instance where you're like, play through, do what you want to do. The next one, you thought about moving things around. Why on Testify did you think it warranted not letting her kind of play through and, and instead taking what, you know, th- taking things she'd done and moving them around and sampling them, chopping them up a little bit? What, what was the distinction there? Yeah, so the difference was that um, when we had invited her over to uh, lay down her sacks, she came through for like an hour and a half and then had to get back to the city and so she came through, recorded what she could for Elsabet, and then was like, I'm just going to record a whole bunch of riffs, um, and then you guys do whatever you want. So it was just, here's a whole bunch of riffs you can use whenever you need. Mm. Um, and then we had already, uh, Elsabet was the, f- the first single we released, so that was what we were focusing on. We didn't even have any of the other tracks, really, at, th- at the time that Karen came through. Oh, I see. Um yeah, like we had the base, like the thoughts of what things were going to be, but I still was like, and we had a couple beats, but I was like, I, I, it, it just didn't feel right. Um, and then Karen came through and laid down the sax for Elsabet and then left and then recorded a bunch of, um, pl- like, of recorded a bunch of stuff of her playing and then was like, do what you want to do and then left. And I was like, she just gave us like so much gold. This is crazy. 
and um and then at that point i was like okay let's let's chop it up and and see what we have to work mm. with yeah and then yeah it's that's how kind it of like a timeline thing it was just where you were at in the making of it yeah, yeah. okay yeah and we had never worked i've never worked with a live musician before right so i'm not i i don't i don't really know what to say other than you know vibe vibe like i trust that you know how to play your instrument so just do it (laughs) you know like I kind of gave her examples of like you know this is this is where we're leaning towards you know so I I told her Ethio jazz and like and uh soul and hip-hop so she she knew what we were going with but it was really just like you do you because this is the first time I've really reached out to people outside of you know computer computer sounds so yeah You've been brought in to work on other people's stuff in some capacities, yes? Yeah. Yeah, so as a vocalist primarily? Yeah, mostly as a vocalist. So did that did that experience and the kind of parameters or lack of parameters that you were given inform how you worked with Karen and Brandon to say, look, I, I know you know what to do with your instrument. That's why I've asked you here, but I don't feel... Like, it's my place to tell you exactly what to do. Was that born of some experience you've had with working with others? That's all the experience I've ever had of just like, okay, come through and go ahead. I I actually would prefer (laughs) direction. (laughs) I myself would prefer direction in those instances. It's a little less stressful Um, just in terms of like, yeah, yeah. But but it's mostly... a. When when I'm writing on other people's songs, it's it's mostly about the vibe of of the song and tapping into myself. But it is it, I do like a bit of direction, but I kind of also feel like um, when it, when it's other people's songs. So like with Karen, I was like Ethio Jazz is the direction, but that's mm. that's about it. You know, like do your thing with that in mind. Um, is that is that I don't artistic really get that respect? Much direction, pardon? Yeah, is that is that artistic respect? I've done this with like graphic designers and people where I'm like, I need a poster made. And they say, well, what do you want it to be? I'm like, you know what? Here's the text. Here's the information. But I don't feel comfortable dictating what the image should be because that's why I've asked you to do it. I can't do that myself. That's why I feel like. And, you know, you go back and forth sometimes if someone does something that you really have a problem with. You say, ah, that's good. But can we try this or do this? But otherwise, I my motive, my motivation in asking someone else to do something for me in this regard the same way I think you asked Karen Brandon is like, I know you have talent. I know you are a visionary artist in your own right. It's not my place to tell you exactly what to do, but I know that what you do will fulfill my vision to create what I'm you know, ultimately trying to create. Do you have that a little bit? Oh, yeah, for sure. 100%. You have to trust the people that you're working with because not only does it like, you know, give... It, give that other person like the confidence of like okay well I must they must like what I'm doing to to ask me to come here but it also allows them to feel some sort of um uh what's the word I'm looking for like they invested in your project yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. No, I, th- I think it's very important and I think sometimes it's taken for granted because you I've not really ever been in a totally dictatorial situation I may have been the dictator at various points if I think about it but I'm like no no please just do this I just need you to do this and then that's it but like I now as I've aged and gotten older and 
I've worked with more people. I that's where I landed. Uh, there's, if there's things I don't know how to do or don't exactly know how to do, and it always it seems to work out. Like it's like the person found it in my mind. Like they went into my imagination and they made the thing that I was envisioning, and I didn't really say anything. And I don't know if that's a self fulfilling prophecy or something, <laughs> where, where <laughs> like oh, like we're on the same page. Like, but it does feel kind of magical when you let people. Uh, take their interpretation or, or like you say, vibe off of what you've done, create their own thing. Mm-hmm. It, it makes it that much more fulfilling. Oh, you get it. You got it. You got what I was going for. Like, I, I, I think that's really fulfilling, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about some distinctions between your work on DNA activation and uh, at least your last record, The Golden Octave, you talked about having more of a hand in the production with Sun Sun, and you talked about bringing external people in. How else would you distinguish this record, the new one, from the last one, per se? I mean, this one seems to have, I know on the face of it, based on the song titles alone, uh, there seems to be some sort of con- concept, um, because from my reading, they, these all appear to be names. Is that right, first mm-hmm. of all? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So can you talk about that? Like, talk, And in the last record, I mean, I remember the last time we talked, we talked about time travel, you being a witch, uh, which was fun. <laughs> fun talks. I enjoyed all of that. <laughs> but this feels a little bit different uh, on some level. This feels yeah. more like, yeah. and it comes at an interesting time where I think a lot of us in this suspension are trying to figure ourselves out, figure out where we connect or how we connect to our past and our families and our our origins, our heritage. Is any of that swimming around on DNA activation? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, every the, the difference is, is that the song is incredible, uh, that the album is um, incredibly intimate and vulnerable, and it is, uh, every song is named after um, both sets of grandparents, my, my mother, my father, my sister, my son, and myself. Mm. Um and so it, they are specific songs for specific people, but also are about uh, biblical stories and myths that I grew up learning about. Um, and then also it's I kind of branched out and sang some hooks in, in uh, Tigrinya and Amharic and, you know, dabbled in hoping that I <laughs> say the correct um, pronunciations of things, but I'm pretty sure I did, so it's all good. Hopefully, we'll see. I don't know. Maybe I'll get an email from somebody being like, "You didn't say that right." But, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was my way of you know connecting with my ancestry and my family, and really um, showing myself like I still am a time traveling r- witch, but I also uh, am am Ethiopian and Eritrean, and I also am um, African, and I also am uh, you know all these people that are um, within the titles of the song. Like, I, I am all of them, and, and they are me. So. so when were these songs, in terms of the lyrics and the themes here, when were they written, in particular, when were they written in relation to our current suspension? Uh, when were they written in relation to both the pandemic and, and also our, our the you know, the, the, the social unrest, the police brutality, the protests that are going on, uh, that have been going on, and and also I think uh, the higher profile 
and significance of Black Lives Matter, I feel like there's a lot of stuff swimming around in our collective psyches right now. And I just wonder if any of that has informed these particular songs or your work uh, since it's really come to the fore. Can you speak to that? Yeah, actually, these songs were um, written in 2019. So before before at least the pandemic stuff um mm, okay yeah they were they were written before that and then um in terms of the the theme and the idea of the the album that was really from 2014 oh um, okay i had this okay. idea in 2014 but then i i i always say in every article like i wrote a grant i didn't get the grant i felt like a loser and put this idea on the shelf <laughs> and then you know um was like it's not a good idea or at least it's not a an idea that's going to get me any funding to do um and so i just put it on the shelf and then um and then focused on above top secret and then focused on um releasing the golden octave and then after all of that happened i was like i think i can go back to um doing this album which is the original one that I wanted to do and and what I wanted to be my debut but I think everything in its and in its uh, right time so it was the right time for it to come out it was the right time to share the stories of my family and 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 to show share the stories of uh, black resilience and black power and um, and and you know everything worked out well so yeah. it definitely wasn't written for that but it it worked out to be um, on the same vibrational level. So, Yeah. For those who don't know, we, I believe we covered this last time as well. Above Top Secret is a kind of arts events collective that you're a part of. Is that a good way to describe it? No, no. Uh, no. Well, Above that's a group Top you're Secret in. Is a, yeah, that that was 88 Days of Fortune. Oh, sorry. Heart Lake Records. Right. Yeah, no sorry. worries. Sorry. Um, yeah, and Above Top Secret is uh, myself, Sun Sun, and... Uh, Brandon Valdivia on drums and it's, uh, electro grunge hip hop, right? Uh, experimental uh, group. Okay, so that was happening, and that kind of took your. I, I just want to circle back to something you said, Leilani. You should not feel like a loser for not getting a grant. <laughs> I that, know. Trust me. That is. Oh, I know. That, I know this. Okay. Don't it's feel, ridiculous. It's oh, just, I know. But the thing is, is like when you put all your when you put. When you, when you feel like, oh, this is a really great idea, and, and I'm going to clarify something in a bit, but when you feel like, you know, this is a really great idea, and then you write it out, and you send it to a thing, and you spend four months thinking, it's going to happen, you're going to get it, and they're going to see, you know, your your vision, and then you get this letter back that's like, nah. <laughs> it makes you be like, maybe my idea was wrong and to be honest it wasn't that my idea was wrong is that I, it wasn't a it wasn't a clear grant and the, and now um and within that time of like getting that letter of you know denial of funding from 2014 until you know 2019 i was working with the toronto arts council i was sitting on different assessment committees for the oac for canada council for factor um, so I get to, I got to read a lot of grants yep. and I got to see what was getting funded and why it was getting funded and what needed to be changed with my idea and my vocabulary that I was using within the grant. And when I rewrote it, I got the grant. And so really it was like it. That's why I said like everything in its in its due time, because 
you know, I, I could have released it without any funding or anything, which is what I did with the Golden Octave. Um, but I really felt like, no, I, I want to do this correctly and I want to be able to bring people in and, you know, all, all these other uh, aspects of having funding um, for, a, for a project. And so it's not that I was like, Meh, never write a grant again, <laughs> or even that, like, you can't do anything without a grant because I know you can. Um, it was just that it was a definite learning moment for me to be like, okay, it wasn't that the idea was bad, but the grant was not good. Now that I look back at it and now that I've sat on assessment committees, I see why I wasn't given the grant. Um, it wasn't because of my idea, you know, so. I have yeah, sat. Anything, you learned so many things yeah. sitting on those. Yeah. yeah. I've sat on so many of those uh, granting bodies uh, as a juror. I haven't sat on them. That's a, that's, that makes me sound like a giant monster. <laughs> I haven't, you know, sat on their buildings. I have actually sat yeah. in some of their juries, and it was a tremendous learning experience. I haven't applied for, uh, on behalf of myself anyway, I've not uh, applied for grants for myself. I've applied for grants on behalf of some of the organizations I've worked with. I wish your experience could be shared by everyone. I wish everyone who didn't get a grant... Uh, but it was like there was potential there because that's clearly what yeah. I think they probably saw in you when they invited you to sit on all of the very like you mentioned several yeah. organizations. Yeah. There's potential here. This person clearly has a vision. Why don't we get them to sit on a grant because they clearly have talent and a vision. And in a sense that like you say that informed your ability to write a grant quote unquote properly. But imagine everyone yeah. who didn't get a grant got that experience of like here's what you need to do and here's a sense of what people are doing to both succeed and not succeed wouldn't that be incredible if that was a thing it would be but there's a thing called gatekeepers and so they're very comfortable in where they're sitting but like for real like it's it's a thing that people don't share the grants that they've written uh the successful grants uh, that's a lie some people do i have had people there are people who do share um mostly in the independent music scene uh, mostly in the queer scene. I've had artists share their grants to show me um, and, and vice versa. But majority of people do not share their grants, how they're writing it, how they're format, formatting things. And, and on top of that, almost everybody does not know that you can call and ask f- why you didn't get the grant just for some notes. Oh some, man, some feedback. That's the best. I used so to when many I, people don't know that. Yeah, when I went you to know, university, so it's like you end up. I always yeah. went to the teacher. I said, "Hey, what's going on here? I thought I did better than this," yeah. and they would talk to me about it, and we'd come to some resolution. But no matter what, next thing I handed in, based on that little experience, I think it helped both of us. They knew where I was coming yeah. from, and I would do better. And I knew where they were coming from, so I would make improvements and adjustments. It's amazing. I think if there's just an open yeah, flow of information really and conversation, yeah, I think it's great. So everyone should share their successful grant applications. I agree. That would be amazing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We we agree on that. And then also what it also what it does is it allows people to uh, not fall into the trend of rewriting the same grant over and over again. Right. Exactly. You know, it's like, yeah, hey, yeah. you've already exposed that you've written this. You cannot write the exact same thing and get the same funding. That's not really fair. You know? There's a lot of... Which I've seen. Yes, we, yeah. we there's a lot of conversation among uh, music people, music record store owners I know, and other musicians being like, how can these same companies get these rubber stamp grants every year? 
Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. Well, how is this a thing? Shouldn't there be like a limit on how many grant applications you can even, you know, submit and, and a limit to the ceiling of funding? Like if you're getting 200 grand yeah. every year, shouldn't it top off maybe at five years? Is that unreasonable? Like, I don't know. So, yeah, uh, yeah there's some issues there. But I, I assume also within what we're saying, you, I noticed in your biographical information on your website at the moment, you make a point of saying that DNA activation was a grant funded album. Like you, that's part of the sentence. And I thought, oh, that's I've never seen that before. No one yeah. takes a point of makes a point of saying this was funded by the by the Ontario government, uh, basically, or the Ontario. Well, you you kind of have to. But yeah, no, I, you like see it in the rules. It's true. You see it. You see <laughs> right. it in the album iconography, right? You see it in the design, but yeah, I've never read yeah. it in a bio where it says this was specifically yeah, funded. Yeah. And I thought that was maybe a like I've I viewed that not as a, a thing of pride from you, but as almost instructive to maybe younger artists. Like there's yeah. this granting body yeah. that the reason I'm here, the reason you're hearing this record from me younger people is that there's this granting body that you can apply for money and they will they will help you like is that was that maybe your motivation am i putting words in your mouth no no you're not putting words in my mouth that's definitely i mean obviously i have to also say it on the back of the cd and things but it was it was a way to be like this is where i was able to do it like this is how i was able to do it and also in pride of like I wrote a grant and I got the funding to do it so yeah. I want you to know that this is this is work we've I I worked to write the grant to prove myself then I got the money and then we did this yeah. thing and so here it all is and these are all the these are all the parts that had to move in order for me to get here yeah. so yeah. No it's cool I like that you I always appreciate your openness on social media and in instances like this where you want that information flow and those these kinds of conversations to be a bit more transparent and and, and visible mm-hmm. i feel i think i my read of that is that you view it as instructive to people uh, who might learn from your examples and experience um and again i don't mean to is that a burden that i've made you into this incredible person that uh is going to save everyone <laughs> no. okay no i just want to make sure you're not Definitely not saving everybody, <laughs> but uh, I can be an incredible person, yeah. though. <laughs> you you mentioned that you know you for four months you were waiting. You had a good feeling you might get that grant. As a time traveling witch, shouldn't you already have known the outcome of that grant application? How does your time traveling witch stuff work? Like, could you have? To- okay, here's the thing, Leilani. I moved from Ontario yeah, yeah. to Alberta, and I've talked about this a lot yeah. with people, and. When I moved, people were like, aren't you going to miss the restaurants in Toronto and Guelph? Aren't you going to miss, you know, going to the shows, the people that come to Toronto or Guelph? And I said, yeah, I guess. What are you going to do? I move. Almost instantaneously, all of that stuff gets shut down. No one can enjoy the stuff that I'm missing out on. No one can get together and socialize. Aren't you going to miss your friends? Yes, I'm going to miss seeing my friends. None of my friends can get together. I started to think... Am I a time-traveling witch? Is something going on with me? And so this mystical, magical stuff, like, did you foresee any of this 2020? Like, did you know? Did you have a feeling? You moved to a farm in Caledon, for crying out loud. You must have anticipated something was going to go haywire. Is any of this, am I too on the nose here? Am I Am I calling you out? I don't mean to. You, you kind of... 
you no 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 you you're not calling me out you 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 are kind of on the nose though <laughs> but like honestly you are a witch in your own dimension in your own universe you're the star of your show right like yeah, you're the star yeah. of your Truman show you are the Truman <laughs> you are Truman so <laughs> yeah but did my Truman we are show all our own Truman show <laughs> has my Truman show jeopardized the entire space time continuum that's what I'm asking you like it seems odd someone just tweeted hey. Vish, I listened to your appearance on the Landlord and Tenant Podmess, which is a podcast I was on. Uh, my friends Mike yeah. Belazzo and uh, James Hardnett, they run a, a podcast, it's a comedy podcast, but they had me on for a year in review, which aired uh, at the end of December of 2019. And at the end of it, I say, all right, guys, I'll see you in 2021 because I have a feeling 2020 is going to be a disaster. I am a time-traveling witch. <laughs> So that's why I relate to you on that level. Like, this is a bizarre situation. Like, I feel like some of it was foretold. Do you have this? Like, do you feel this at all? Like, do you feel like you knew something was up? For sure. Okay. For sure. I, like, I uh, I, I actually, I was, like, um, I really wanted to do a lot of traveling last year. And a lot of the traveling I didn't do, I was feeling very upset about it. And uh, we kept talking about it, and everybody I talked to was like, "It's okay. Like, you'll get to travel. It's not a big deal." And I'm like, "I don't know. Like, I just, I just want to do it now. Like, I just want to get it over with." Yeah. But and and I didn't, and and now I'm home. No, wait a minute. Oh, you didn't <laughs> do it. I thought but so is everybody else. Right. And I don't want to travel right now. Actually, I'm like, mm, no, I have asthma. I'm good. Yeah. Like, I'm not trying to do that. Yeah, it's scary. It is scary. Like I'm trying to make yeah. jokes about it, but yeah. it is really frightening. And is the yeah for sure is everything cool where you in the region you're primarily living in? Like you're in Toronto as we're speaking, but is everything relatively cool? No, Toronto sucks, man. Nobody likes to wear masks. There's a right. lot of. And, and yeah, it's just it's weird. Like in in Caledon, when we're in Caledon, I'm just on my on the farm. I don't see anybody. Yeah. We literally go do grocery shopping, and that's it. And I'll do a big run, and it's like I'm not going back to the store for a long time. Like I'm when I'm home, I'm home. So I don't I don't see anybody. It's fine. Caledon's okay um, then. Caledon's like are people in Cal? It, it tends to be. We have heard. Yeah, they all. Everybody. Yeah. yeah everybody wears masks, but. Um, Toronto right now is having a really crazy spike. I think they almost hit a thousand new cases a day. Well, um, yesterday yeah, or something. Edmont- so. Edmonton is the same. Where I'm calling from is this, it's not as yeah. high as yeah. per capita. It's it's very similar. Like if we we yeah, don't have as yeah. many people, obviously as Ontario as Toronto, but it's bad. Like it's particularly bad in my city. And I went out to the grocery store a day or two ago, and yeah, there's just always one or two people still. Won't wear a mask. There's yeah. no one enforcing it, which I find weird. Like, yeah, I don't. If yeah. it's a it's a bylaw here, you're supposed to wear the masks indoors, and no one's. Anyway, it's just weird. I also i I don't know if you. Sorry, when did you move to Canada again? I can't recall. Did you tell me this last time? To Canada, um, in 1986 or 87. And how old are you again? Four. Oh Four, wait, right. that would make sense. 82, 83, 84, 85. Huh. So it was 86. You were young. And yeah. uh, you were quite young. And you've been back uh, to, is it, it's Ethiopia, right? Um, Ethiopia, Eritrea, but I right. was born in Kenya. I've been back to Eritrea and Ethiopia, but that was uh, when I was 15. So it's been over, over 20 years since I've been back. 
One of the reasons I bring it up is, and I've had this conversation with a few people who are uh, not from uh, Western parts of the world. How do you, and I don't know if you've talked to people back home, but the way Western culture is dealing with this as this massive inconvenience, a thing that you can sort of, you know, you know, you can ignore the rules to better the situation. I've talked to a few people and they say this would not, this does not occur in places like Africa, parts of Africa. Like if there's a thing where they say malaria, what, what have you, mosquitoes, everyone just does whatever you're supposed to do. They recognize it as a thing that helps everyone and helps themselves. Are you surprised at the behavior of people who live in Canada and, and, and in particular, obviously, the United States, where they're just like, no, it doesn't apply to me or I don't believe it. Like, do you know what I'm getting at there? Does this... Does this? Yeah, no, no, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. It's because it's a very selfish culture that we live in over here. Hmm. Western culture is all about self and, and get as much as you can, self, 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 whereas I believe African culture is about community specifically to answer your question about yeah. African culture. So like African culture is about community, so I think that's why. We're general um, we're generalizing here. Every place has mm-hmm. its problems, yeah. but it does feel yeah. I'm just viewing it as selfish as entitled uh mm-hmm. and and like I'm also like I'm like fine to wait this out. Like I'm surprised. I'm generally an impatient person. Uh but I'm like yeah. I'm like yeah. no, why can't we take a year off from all the normal stuff until this yeah. is contained? Do you feel that way? Yeah, I liked quarantine, to be honest. I was okay with it. I was like, I'm okay with this. <laughs> oh, I don't have to go out right now? I'm cool with that. <laughs> it's good. It, like That part's good. I mean, you are a working artist. I don't know how much touring you rely on or live performance you rely on. Oh, but. yeah, I know. I, I'm, not, I'm trying not to think about it. Right. I, I lost a lot of money. I lost a lot of money because this, this was, this was going to be the year. But at the same time, it was like... It's okay, like it's okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm still. I'm. I'm alive. I'm not sick. I have a house over my head. I have food in my fridge. I have a loving family, and uh, yeah, I'm okay. Okay. So, okay, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, you have to kind of. That's all we can do, right? Is try to find these silver linings, yeah. or else. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you've been speaking of, about this record and how it relates to your family and how it might relate how how your family's history from your perspective might relate to uh, issues regarding black resilience and and I think maybe black resistance as well and to oppression. And now we're in this moment uh, where Black Lives Matter has a very high profile. And I know you earlier said that these songs were written before this moment that we're all experiencing, but I wonder if you have any perspective on what these songs and, and your family history might say about these times is it possible for you to kind of relate to relate the two now that this record is out um yeah for sure i feel like uh with with this album in in particular and and with the movements that's happening it's kind of the zeitgeist of the times right the like everybody is talking about equality is talking about um recognizing systemic right racism and 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 what we need to do to change that and in a way, that's always what we're talking about. So I didn't, I didn't write my songs and with that in mind. But because that's a, an issue that has always happened, uh, that's always been 
something that we're dealing with in this in this world and within humanity it's like i guess it's kind of like ingrained in me that even if even when i'm not trying to write specifically going out of my way to write something political it it always ends up being because i just am my my existence mm. is political so my my i cannot take away my blackness i cannot take away um the struggle that comes with it and so um regardless how i share my art it it will in some way be um connected to what's happening now because it's it's what i'm experiencing experiencing and what most almost all black people and uh, uh people of color are experiencing throughout the world so yeah have you spoken to let's call them your elders about what's happening in this collective moment now i'm just curious because what I've been most fascinated by is some, well, I mean, I, I'm someone who has sort of, as uh, in school even, studied uh, his black history in North America in particular. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that I keep reading about are people just pointing out, like, people who experienced, f- like, the fight for civil rights in the 50s and 60s in the United States of America in particular, or, you know, people who ex- have experienced. Uh, police violence in Canada uh, 30, 40, 50 years ago saying, yeah, here it is again. Like this is kind of, it's a cycle. Like this is very familiar to me. Mm -hmm. When you, have you had a chance to speak to people back home, so to speak, and and get their perspective on what's happening uh, now uh, collectively? No, unfortunately, the the majority of my elders have passed. My grandmother does Mm live in Kenya, but I, I don't, like, she's not on social media. I don't get a lot of <laughs> chance to talk to her. You know, I yeah. had to sneak to get her on the, she's the one who's, uh, ma, I call her mama. She's the, the interlude is literally me sneak recording and, you know, just chatting with her and getting a little <laughs> snippet of her. But we've never had political conversations Um in that context, with my mother, always. I mean, you know, she was mm. a, a growing up. You know, she was a very political, very active. Um, and, you know, she's the one who told me about uh, refugee rights. She was a emergency and relief coordinator for refugees for many years in my lifetime. So, it's 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 something that's always been around, but it's not something that my family. Um, talks about okay in terms of in in terms of um sitting and having a conversation because you know as africans like as and as refugees we've my my parents have lived through a lot and lived through war and and um it's a it's a completely different experience black american experience and and the experience of being a child of the diaspora in north america and being a, a refugee from africa uh, and growing up there and dealing with the with the issues that are there, so um, it's it's definitely interesting. We have had conversations, but we try to we try to not have too heavy conversations because we want to focus on the the positivity and 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 like my mom says, you know, she 
that's what she does at work all day long. So when she's home, she wants to think about good things and nice things and surround herself with positivity and love and, and remind mm. herself mm. and the people that are around her that that exists as well and that our existence does not rely on our trauma and we can focus on other things. So Yeah, that's that's uh, absolutely fair. Sorry, what do you mind saying what your, your what your mom does for a living? Oh, right now, I don't actually know what her actual title is. Um, <laughs> that was when I was growing up. So um, it's changed. She works for the uh, Anglican Church House of Canada. Um, um, and uh, before, she was uh, an emergency and relief coordinator for refugees. I see. For many okay. years, for maybe like 20 years, she was doing that. Um, now it's something else within that same organization. Um, she's been working there for a long time. Um, but yeah, I, okay. I just know, you know, like she travels the world and goes to a lot of different refugee camps and works with a lot of different women or women's organizations throughout the world, um, getting funding and fundraising, um, for, for not-for-profit organizations and, and people making a change within the world. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no speaking, speaking of positive, as we're speaking, you have been shortlisted for the Polaris Music Prize, which is a big, uh, big deal yeah. here in Canada. Uh, it is an annual prize for the best album of the year. So I want to say uh, first, congratulations. Uh, Thank you. And secondly, yeah, how are you feeling about this thing? I know that's maybe a trite question because the the response. I assume you're feeling pretty good, but oh yeah, <laughs> definitely excited. <laughs> As we're speaking. You know, it hasn't happened yet. Uh, maybe people will be listening to this episode after it's happened. There's going to be a big gala, yeah. or, or it's going to be different, I guess. There's usually a big gala, but there's going to be some sort of virtual thing that happens uh, for the Players Music Prize this year. It's normally a, a like a gathering of people. And so, actually, yeah, on that note, how have you been asked to prepare for the uh, event, for the award announcement on October 19th? Like, because normally people play live, and we, as I say, we gather yeah. together in a room. What do you have to do as an artist who is shortlisted for the 2020 Polaris Music Prize? Um, well, what we got offered actually was really fantastic. And uh, in lieu of the of not doing the gala, um, they offered each finalist. So 10 finalists um, got offered to work with different videographers and filmmakers mm-hmm. to create a short film based on their album. And so, uh, and, and, and with that came at $10,000. So you could either go with uh, the people who have applied. And so they had a, an open call for people applying, um, different filmmakers applying. Um, or you can uh, work with filmmaker, a filmmaker that you already know, and which is, which is what I ended up doing. I worked with a filmmaker I already know. And then I also, um, wrote the film myself and um produced it and uh was the casting director (laughs) and uh yeah so it was it was really exciting um so we shot a short film and uh it's going to be aired on the 19th so instead of having a gala and the performances they're going to be airing the all the short films from the finalists and then i think it's like everybody's just waiting on zoom and whoever is uh, the winner gets invited into the room, and everybody else does not. So oh, I see. Okay, we'll see how it goes. It's it's exciting. I'm really excited to see everybody's film. So no, that's great. I, I, I as you know, I mean, I'm a fan, and I, I'm 
proud of you, if that makes any sense. I'm happy for you. Thanks. This is a huge deal. Like, I I really didn't think that, you know, like, not having, I, I don't have a PR agent. I literally just paid for one for this new video I'm dropping. Like, but otherwise, I've never had a PR agent. With, the label is me and Sun Sun. Like, yeah. Um, you know, we've never really had any funding. This is the first time. And so to be able to have all this happen uh, as like just the two of us moving this train along and to have recognition is a huge deal for us. And like it's I'm so grateful and it's too bad that the gala isn't happening because I would like to be in the room with everybody and, yeah. and I would love to perform but I also am really excited about the film and the opportunity to also have something that I can take away after the Polaris Prize regardless if I win or not to be able to have this in my you know like it, as my assets folder of like I've done a short film and here it is and and at the quality that it is is really exciting no it's so. that's great I'm thankful. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So two sort of final questions. One, uh, do you have a sense of what's next for you uh, now that uh, yeah, this record's out and you're accustomed, as we discussed, you're accustomed to working in sort of isolated conditions. So that's not necessarily yeah. going to yeah. hold you back the way it's held some of my other guests back. So you could conceivably yeah. uh, start working on a new project if you haven't already. So I'm curious about that. And then also, uh, if you want to let people know where they can learn more about Witch Prophet, I'd like to know that as well. So let's start with yeah. let's start with what's next. So what is sort of next for you? Um, so actually, what's next is a couple different projects. So I have a soul album that I'm working on with Sun Sun, um, where it's more like a soul Motown um, vibe. And then I also have, I'm just sort of in the talks in, in the talking stage right now for a folk album. I've been talking about wanting to do a folk project for a really long time. And, uh, a friend of mine has hit me up and is like, we're going to do this. So, um, I'm really excited about that. And then of course, uh, working on, um, everything that has to do with Heart Lake Records and putting out, um, albums for Yasmin and a collaboration uh, or a compilation album uh, for Sun Sun and um, a couple of other artists that I cannot say at the moment because we're still in contract <laughs> talks. But um, it's just um, really just focusing on working on music and um, putting everything that we've learned in in the process of like trying to push which profit into the spotlight and putting that all towards the Yasmin and Sun Sun and the other artists that we have lined up for uh, Heart Lake Records releases for 2021. Nice. That's amazing. That's really yeah. great. So yeah. if people want to learn more about Heart Lake Records, DNA Activation, Witch Profit, where would you like to send them? Yeah, you can check everything out at heartlakerecords.com or you can look me up at witchprofit.com, which as in... A cackling witch and prophet yes. as in Jesus. Check that out. <laughs> you're, you're a big you're a big fan of the Jesus, aren't you? I I am. Why not? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> right. He he wasn't a witch, but uh, yeah, he's. I don't know about people, that. I don't know. Do you think Jesus <laughs> was a witch? Pretty this witchy. Is, Seemed pretty witchy to break, me. Breaking news. You think <laughs> Jesus was some kind of witch? Okay. All right. 
Seems like a weird note to end water on. Water to but wine. Gonna, Come on, walking on water, healing people. Yeah. This is pretty witchy stuff. It if is. he was a woman, they would have been like, burn him. But because he was a man, they're like, yay, I love you. So. Well, as far as I know, that didn't exactly work or Actually, out. they he, did. They did. They did kill him. Sun Sun just said, what the hell are you talking about? They killed him in the end. I was like, yeah, sorry. They killed him in a pretty famously horrific way, as I recall. I mean, uh yeah, really sorry, I'm totally not laughing yeah. at this. This is very blasphemous. <laughs> My grandfather would be rolling in his grave like, what are you doing? So, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I'm just saying, you're laughing at me. You're not laughing at the predicament yeah, that no, Jesus no, found no, I'm laughing in. at this joke, not about yes. okay. Jesus. Right. Yeah. Yes, fair enough. Okay. Now, if there's a song from DNA activation that we can go out on, uh, particularly yeah. for you to pick something that might, you know, wash away the sins of these last few moments, what would you select... <laughs> And why? Oh, I think I'd probably have to go with Musa um, because that is really the song of the now. It's questioning where we're going and um, and and trying to find uh, the light at the end of this tunnel. And so I hope that people listen to it and feel uh, feel the urgency in 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 the need for change and transformation. All right, well put. And uh, Musa leads off this wonderful album, uh, DNA Activation. Uh, Leilani, this is all—it's always fun. I love talking with you. I know we've only talked Thanks. a few times, but I really enjoy it. I I, I love it, and I I wish you the best luck with uh, obviously this Players Music Prize, but everything going forward. Say hi to Sunson for me, and I, I, I hope we talk soon. Yes, we will.
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Very, very special thanks to Aelani, a.k.a. Witch Prophet, for being on this, the 573rd episode of of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network, and it's available on all podcast platforms. Wherever you get your podcasts, Creative Control should be there. Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube, whatever it is. So check it out on whatever podcast listening thing you use or watching, I guess. If you can't find an episode of the show that you've heard about and you're looking for it, or if you want to learn more about me, and sign up for my regularly scheduled newsletter. I have been saying semi-regular, but I'm a bit cocky because I finally put a new newsletter out just uh, recently. So hopefully if you subscribe to the newsletter and you haven't seen it yet, go, go check it out. Anyway, if you want to figure out how to sign up for the newsletter, learn more about me, find old episodes, everything you need is at vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook. Follow the show for updates and information on Twitter at Vish Creative, or follow me directly at Vish Kana. Also visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation. To keep this podcast around, uh, these uh, donations really, really help, and they, they're, they're the reason I'm here, frankly. Uh, so uh, $6 or more a month uh, gets you access to more content, exclusive audio content that I don't uh, put on the regular podcast. Stuff from the past that I thought uh, you might be interested in. and uh, But you don't have to, you can, you know, it's flexible. It's You can do whatever you want. $6, you can you can pledge $1 or $3, uh, uh, $10, whatever you like. But uh, $6 or more does get you more stuff. So go to patreon.com slash creative control and uh, support the show there if you can. Thanks again to live at masseyhall.com where you can watch beautifully captured concerts by great Canadian artists. Also, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton uh, for their in-kind support uh, for this show. Uh, also, Jim Guthrie lets me use some music of his on the show, and you can learn more about Jim at his website, jimguthrie.org. We'll, that'll point you to his band camp and other stuff, and uh, he's the best. Speaking of the best, you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Witch Prophet. Uh, uh, as I had mentioned at the top of the show, Witch Prophet was on uh, this program in 2018. So find that episode. It was a live episode on the radio. It was fun. Uh, the uh, Witch Prophet played some songs. We had chats between the songs, and that's where we met. It was it was good. So, uh, yeah. Otherwise, thanks for listening to this. 
I hope you subscribe and follow the show and tell your friends to do the same, and I will talk to you soon. Goodbye for now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.